Other times, what you find will enrich what you know or think you know. So what we're going to be treated to today is an overview of what you can find out about yourself and your family history by having your DNA tested. I now present to you Susan Kugler. questions, 
at the end we can talk about that. Right, so we keep the presentation brief, room for lots of presence. Got questions? So these are some of the things that I found when I did my DNA. So I found out that my mother is related to my father, my sister's related to her husband, and my step-aunt is actually related to us. And so, you know, you never say that anybody by marriage is not related to you, because it's pretty common that people intermarry. I have a pretty, I have a pretty credential extended family tree. We have Golda Meir, Mark Chagall, Zach Levine, George Gershwin, Arlo Guthrie, and, and many more people. It's pretty cool. My non-Jewish husband has roots in colonial America. He's definitely related to Mickey Rourke on his Carlfinger side, and they're from Schenectady. And uh, I came across a really old connection that says maybe he's related to Amelia Earhart, so I have to go back to that. One of my big accomplishments is that I have a neighbor who came to me at my mother's funeral and said, you've got to help me find my birth family. And I always laugh at her for having said that. Um, so she did her DNA, and 18 months later, I found a first cousin, and I was able to put together her family tree, and she now knows that she has two full siblings. So she's She's pretty indebted to me, which is a lot of fun. She drops me on my doorstep. <laughs> I, I always tease her. I said, do you have an extra shirt with you? Because I know you would give me the shirt off your back. So, so both of my husband and I have dis distant connections back to the time of Genghis Khan. So the Genghis Khan comes through my Wojtkowski family. And Wojtkowski is supposed to be Khan's warriors. So on his side, on his one of his German sides, somebody had told me that they also connected. So one day a guy wrote to me, and I probably had about 14, 15 DNA kits. And this guy wrote to me and says, oh, I met you. And I said, well, yeah, actually, you match everybody in my tree at all my kits, including my husband, who's not Jewish. I said, I think it goes back to the time of Genghis Khan. <laughs> and he mailed back to that guy, he goes, yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, okay. <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? Well, just went to Germany. Well, because to Europe. Yeah, I was told, like in uh, in the case of both, that, that Genghis Khan looked for people who were who were tall and you know muscly, you know, and I actually read an article about George Washington did the same thing. So I, I was thinking about um, the topic and I decided to add this in because this is really the crux of what I've been involved in in the past couple of years. So I'm just going to read this really quick. So this is a New York Post article from October 2015. It says, a Brooklyn man whose father kidnapped him when he was four and changed his name three times before the boy was 11, wants the state of New York to help answer one question. Who am I? So this, you know, I, I was thinking about who am I. I said, I know this article exists. Um, so the bottom line, I'm trying to unravel some place years ago. I just need to have closure on the story because it feels like my life has been somebody else's story and I want it to be my own. article is my, I call my genealogy buddy. His name is Kevin. I used to call him Crazy Kevin when I first met him. <laughs> and we laughed because he's settled down quite a bit. So he, I first found him because he's a, a really strong match to my mother. And so we would look at it and then every once in a while I would check back on, with him and I'd say, did you make any progress? And then we started to talk more and more. Uh, so he's the son of a deceased British actress, Myra DeVrue, which, you know, not being British, you probably haven't heard of her. She was actually on Bewitched for a couple of episodes, and it's kind of fun because you can go back into YouTube and find his mother. So his mother apparently 
or allegedly had five kids, and she abandoned them all. And the last two were abandoned in Australia with Aborigines. So when you ask the question, who am I, these answers can go really far afield. So he found his first two siblings without DNA, and he's searching for the other siblings. He actually took an entire year off from work, because he could afford it, um, to, to see where he could get to with this. So he is probably the most interesting guy, one of the more interesting guys I've ever met. And everything that he's looked at, you know, he will go through it with me and he'll kind of vet it with me, and I'll go, yeah, I, I think you could be right. So from finding DNA connections and being able to flesh out his tree a little more, or at least have ideas on where his connections are, he, he, his story involves the establishment of the witness protection program. And uh, he thinks that the guy who actually helped kidnap him from his mother started the program. And uh, Operation Paperclip, is, which, which is the, which is the, the program that brought over the Jewish and Nazi um, scientists and changed their identities to, you know, mask who they were in reality. Uh, so he feels like a lot of what we see, and particularly in Jewish genealogy, has has to do with that. There's lots of lies and discrepancies adoptions and name changes and there's one guy we know who is searching for his real father and, and, and has asked the FBI for the closed file on him. Uh, his, as he found one of his uncles helped start Led Zeppelin and, and he is obsessed with proving that Billy Joel is part of our family tree. And I don't, I don't think he's wrong about any of these. And uh, someday he hopes to have an interest in somebody, you know, doing the, the whole research and writing a book about this. And from time to time, he, he gets some people interested in it. So that's, that's a lot of fun that I'm having with this guy, so. How did you find him? Like I said, he, he matched my mother. Um, he matched my mother. And I you mean, said you just reached out to him and yeah. said, okay. Yeah, you, you know, you see, well, I'll explain that you reach out to your matches and you go, hey, who are you? You know, um, and what happened? Can you go to the next slide. I don't remember if I wrote this down. Oh, that's a different topic. But um, you know, together, the reason he and I started this group is that we just started finding all these people, who, you know, ranging from you know the Czechs and Belarus down into Poland and the Ukraine and Romania, who's, who seem to share DNA. So every time we see somebody that seems to fit this profile, we say, hey, jump in with us. So. And that's how you got 500 people? Yeah. Little by little, we keep getting people and say, come and play with us. Oh, <laughs> Anybody <laughs> object to playing? No, you don't join unless you don't want to play. We, we kind of, sometimes I call it Ashkenazi go fish. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of my identity is that that we're pretty much related to Marc Chagall. I, I'm, I love art. I hope to do a little more art myself. Um, so that's me next to a portrait of Marc Chagall and what I think we look like. And in this group, over and over again, we find people that has, have the same story, that their family deals with Marc Chagall's family in the test. So I'm very encouraged about my abilities. <laughs> so on the front page, the Solomon, it's, it's said that Solomon is actually the inspiration for Fiddler on the Roof. Um, and on, on the right hand side is, is a picture, man on, man with violin on a bench from, that Mark Chagall painted. Um, and that's, that's, that's Solomon. So, you know, we have a lot of you know, not certainty, but good feeling that what people have told us about the past could be true. <laughs> so in terms of who am I, I like this. So a lot of these answers are sort of in interchangeable with why people do genealogy. But 
what I like, and I think a lot of people I know like, is that when you do the DNA test, you start to have a different <coughs> connection to, to, to your family in the past and world history and, and how they came together. And for us, it's like a real pride in understanding the sacrifices and accomplishment of the ancestors that made it possible for us to be here. What I really like is I'm, I'm making connections with people in a world that is more and more disconnected. So, so that feels really good to me. And I had a reunion at my house this summer of um, 68 people that shared DNA. Um, people from California, Texas, Israel, Chicago, locally. Um, and it's funny that he, Philadelphia, and even though we don't know for sure how we're related, we really feel like we're related. Um, and, you know, it's, it's to, to say that we love each other is a stretch, but we love each other, you know, having found each other. And we feel, you know, that we, we know that our ancestors walked together in these communities and, and worked together, and that's, that's like a really good feeling to us. I actually met with a woman uh, a couple weeks ago who, who my family married into her family. And she says, now that I've done genealogy, she said, I feel like I can see myself back walking in the village um, like my ancestors were. So, like I said, I think in, 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 a, in a world that's a little mixed up, it's a, it's a real good feeling. And uh, one of the things we do in this group is we're able to compare our traits counts and flaws, you know, things that may have been inherited and not based on who we were raised by. So they include in our group art, music, mechanical abilities, physical characteristics, um, intellect, health issues, mental illness, socialist beliefs, and <laughs> infidelity. Oh, so, so the oldest of the guy in the picture He's said to have had uh, 50 kids, somehow. <laughs> the Solomon, the other guy, he, he is thought to have had, he actually has had, we can document four wives simultaneously. <laughs> Where was that? So he actually, you know, he, he would have started in the text, and they, they were well-to-do people, and they had a trade route. So apparently, they would, they would go on their trade route, and, Say hi, glad to meet you. Um, some of the women he would marry, some of the women he wouldn't marry, and some of the children he would support, and some of the children he didn't support. Um, so he's thought to have as many as 150 kids. Far back as that. So the older ancestor was born in 1800. 1820 is when Solomon would have been born. And uh, the reason that we know some of this is is that people will, you know, in this group, people say, well, here's pictures of my ancestor. And then it'll come out that it's the same, same line in the picture. Um, so I did a calculation one day that it feels as though there's probably like a million to a million two of us that are uh, related this way. So. So this is, so that was sort of like the anecdotal part. Like I said, there's tons of anecdotes, but I'm going to tell you about the basic test that if you wanted to do this, what you would do and what you would get out of it. Okay, I have to ask a question. Yep. Uh, in regard to your, is it great-grandfather or grandfather? It's probably five or six great. Okay. Yeah. Would it be common for men to have more than one wife? Yeah. Um, yes. How do you know that? Just other people's anecdotes and what I read. Um, you know, it's kind of hazy because when you go back to Russia, you could be married and uh, not ever registered your marriage because the government wouldn't let you, the Russians wouldn't let you. Um, yeah, I think, I, 
I guess just, to, just when other people have talked about it, that polygamy was probably a little more common and not a, not a bad thing. And especially if you had money, women you know, would want to be with you because you could support them. You know, and uh, so I think it wasn't not uncommon. Like it, and accepted in the, yeah. in the circles? Yeah. Like I said, that with Solomon, there's actually a picture with all his wives, all four wives at once. <laughs> and he, was he a religious man? I mean, did you know? Yes, he, he was religious. Because <laughs> most people at that point were traditional. Yeah, I think he was religious because there's, I think there's stories about him. Like I said, I, I, don't, I don't retain a lot of, of the discussion because I just have so much going on in my brain. I think that as he traveled the country, he did a lot of like uh, religious educational support. Um, so it was more common. You know? And actually, there's a really interesting uh, blog by a woman named Lara, Lara Diamond. And she just did it. She took a community in Russia. And she analyzed the, the data because there's a lot of data about why people got divorced at that. Like what portion of people divorced, um, and, and then the reasons for divorce. So it was it was pretty interesting plot. It's like I don't like you. Um, you beat me. Um, you have somebody else. So it was an interesting topic. <laughs> I said it's endless what you can learn. So so these are the tests and the things that uh, are out there, which I'll explain. So the first is autosomal DNA testing, Y-chromosome testing, mtDNA testing, and then networking, I think, is key. Because um, you find somebody who has your DNA, what good is it if you just look at it on a piece of paper? And there's a lot of research out there also. And I mentioned the research because in my particular group on Facebook, people argue about research, you know. Well, I read this paper that says that this, the Jews came from here. And, and people go, well, that's not even possible, because I read this paper, um, and it says this. And every once in a while, we have to, our group has no rules, but we had to interject and say, OK, everybody, just knock it off. Um, but there's this, there's this website called academia.edu. And I had put in a search on just genetic genealogy, and it was like 30,000 papers. So there's lots of people with lots of theories out there. So, so always remember, your name means nothing, and your DNA doesn't lie. So if you do DNA, the first thing you want to do, you see a match that's pretty strong, and you write to them, and they go, oh. I don't recognize any of your names. That's nothing. Um, you know, through time, people use different names, different spellings, um, relationships that were not documented by marriage. So names don't mean anything. So this is kind of complicated, and I'll read it through. And it kind of goes back to what we learned in high school about DNA. So autosomal, autosomal DNA, that's the test that Ancestry does, FTDNA, MyHeritage. So it says, autosomal DNA is a term used in genetic genealogy to describe DNA which is inherited from the autosomal chromosomes. And autosome is any of the number of chromosomes as opposed to the sex chromosomes. Humans have 22 pairs of autosomes and one pair of sex chromosomes, the X chromosome and the Y. So you get one through 22 from each of your parents, but you don't get the whole thing. You get a mix and match of the first 22 chromosomes. If you're a man, you get the X from your mother, the Y from your father. If you're a woman, you get the X from your mother and an X from your father. So that's what gets analyzed in the autosomal DNA. 
So this is, what, what do I get if I do autosomal DNA? What you get is you get the guesstimate of your geographic regions. Um, so people will say, oh, I don't get it. Why well, I did it on this testing thing and said I came from here. I did it on this one and said I came from here. Same thing with matches. Your, your data that goes into all this is the same thing. It's just that all the different testing companies use different um, algorithms and data sets that they've decided is better than the next companies to, to figure out where you came from. So you're going to get different answers. But with the autosomal as your first step, you might find an immediate and close family that you may be able to connect to. Um, you know, and, and those will be somewhat as plain as the nose on your face, that they are who they are. And some of them may not be clear who they are. I'm working with a woman um, now whose last name is Harnoff, and she's got to be part of my family, but it's not jumping out how she is part of our family, but it's very unmatched. Um, and if you don't find matches, there's, there's close and distant matches that you look at and you go, oh, look at all the names they have. Oh, look at the places that they came from. Um, so, so it gives you a lot of clues. It says, oh, I, I didn't realize that we had people from Ukraine. I didn't know. It looks like I'm seeing this name over and over again. And I don't know what this name is, but you go, oh, so like, what's one? I'll say Shapiro in mine. Like somehow we're, we're Shapiro's along the way. Sometimes somewhere we're Schwartz's. Um, and those are the names that you can use to sort of figure out some of your missing links, possibly. And, and so with the autosomal DNA, it can help you build your tree back to grandparents or great-grandparents. Um, so what happens, You most of the time, if you find somebody and you're like fifth generation apart. That's probably the best you're going to do because the records really don't exist before then. Um, but I, I go, you know, it's fun to go after even the most distant ones. Some of, some of, some of the, you know, people, there's different countries that do have a, a lot of, uh, like you see on Finding Your Roots, where they'll, they'll pull out a piece of paper and say, Oh, you're from country XYZ and they have good records, and I'm bringing you back to 79 AD. Um, so it's not that you can't do that. It's just less likely that that's going to happen. And of course, if you're doing the autosomal DNA, a lot of people are, you know, finding surviving family of people who died in the Holocaust, and people seeking their biological families. So that's what you get with the autosomal DNA. Next thing you can do is you can do the Y-DNA test. And that's pretty much done by FTDNA. And there's cheaper ones and there's progressively more expensive ones. Like I did the... FTDNA mean? Oh, Family Tree DNA. Oh, it's the company. I did my father. I did a couple people. I did my father, my mother's cousin, my husband. And I did the Y-DNA 37, but you can do a more expensive one than that, 67. 111, 500, and it's it's the level of testing against specific markers. How much money did you spend all together on all your research? <laughs> you don't mind my <laughs> <laughs> You know, most of the autosomal DNA has been on sale for like $59. Um, so since 2015, I, I do a couple a year, two, three a year. So I, I done myself, I've done like 14, 15 kits. And I've done my father's wine. The wine DNA is more expensive. So. You can only do uh, the kits for people who are living to collect. Right. The, ex the exception is, um, like I did my brother-in-law, Joe. And he passed away two years ago. But because they keep the sample, I build one of these days when there's a sale, I'm going to go back and test his Y-DNA, because they keep the sample. So at FTDNA, he did autosomal, 
And then he went back again a couple years and said, oh, yeah. the, the, not, the doing it on the, the dead people is only on TV. And they accomplish it in five minutes. <laughs> Sorry to be yeah. more simplistic yeah. dodo in the room. Um, I don't understand the marker thing. So just give me the basics. On so, so the basic of it, like I said, I, I was just explaining to my father this morning. It's like I, I call myself an advanced amateur. Uh, and there's lots of people who know a lot, but you don't have to know a lot to start. Um, so, you know, your DNA, there's, there's a lot of ways that they look at your raw DNA. So like on the autosomal DNA, there's things that are called SNPs. So they're almost like biomarkers on every single one of your chromosomes. So that's an autosomal DNA. So then in the Y DNA, there's things called markers. And I think it's like basically like a different set of, you know, I mean, almost like biomarkers on your roads that it takes what's in there and it, it gives an identity to every single single part of your, your DNA. And so like what I did with my father is YDNA 37. So what that does, it says, okay, you know, statistically we've taken the 37, you know, most common markers that would indicate a match and we're comparing you to everybody else's 37 markers. So, so that's kind of what it is. So how do they know a friend had hers done, was shocked to find out that she thought she was from, her family was from X, she found out they, you know, some Native American, some North African, Yeah, that, she thought she that was Irish comes, or Dutch. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not an expert, and I so... How do they do that? How do they find out you're from... So what I think they do is they have a collection of data that goes back a while. You know, and every company works with like some database that, that, that says, okay, we tested, you know, people in uh, Tasmania, and this is what their DNA looked like. And, uh, you know, they, they have some database in the background that, that they're comparing it to. And they, you know, let's say if you go into the, um, even if you Google it, uh, there's just so many technical papers in, in uh, technical things about how this works that I don't I don't do it, I just say, well these people know what they're doing. I'm gonna just go with what they tell me. What shocked me was the Jewish. So can they do Catholics? No. No. Just Jews. Is that because we all came from a certain part of Russia? I think it's because it's weird, but I think because I think it's that we're considered more of a tribe than a, than a nationality. Aha. I've never actually absorbed yeah. What it is that, that, that makes Jewish different than, than other okay. you know, <coughs> or ge geographically based people. But how about the Kohanim link? There is them, them and the Levites. You better explain what that is. No. <coughs> well, you could probably, you know, those are the like the original tribes, right? Well, so there's two, I think, that are. I, I mean, I'm not a so there are like if you Google that, you will find that there are specific like DNA markers of some nature that they, they do attribute to um, those two. And I'm not one of them either. So two things. Just and I've been asking this whole question about those ethnic yeah. uh, summaries. Uh, and it's uns to me, it's uns all unsatisfactory. But the, the one is that, as I understand it, Susan, is that the companies each rely on their customer base. That's the data that they're using. So if they happen to be um, you know, a, a company that has more Anglo customers, for example, in Anglo in England, then they will end up with having more uh, assurance of those particular genetic traits versus if they don't have that many from Africa, say. So, that, so I, from what I gather, and I went to a conference uh, um, 
uh, in the fall, and they were, and many of these companies were in attendance at that conference, and they said, oh, well, we're now revising. So we gave you one estimate, and you should get online again, and, and it's now we've revised your, your own estimates. So that you may get different estimates from each company. Yeah, and like you said, uh, FPDNA and Ancestry, they'll, they'll say, yes, we're revising your, your profile. Ancestry did it, but they let you look at your old one. But every once in a while, everybody goes, okay, we're still smarter than the other company, but we're smarter than we used to be ourselves. So it's always changing. Okay. And I think the, the other aspect on the Jewish part, and this is much my simple understanding, is that um, it has to do with the fact that Jews were insular. And that, so the gene pool for hundreds of years was essentially limited to that population. And so there was not a lot of sharing. I mean, there was some. I got a 21. Yeah, the Inquisition, although there were other historical events that caused people to intermarry, et cetera. But overall, they were insular, and so there are certain genetic traits that are very much shared uh, and not shared with other ethnicities. Is that mm -hmm. the essence of it? Yes. Probably. <laughs> I, I kind of, like I said, I kind of go with the flow and deal with the results, and but it's, it's the other stuff that people argue about. I'm like, I'm sticking to the basics. Is that another question over there? <clears throat> Rabbi Kasman, you have a question? Well, I was going to say that they, they narrowed down the Ashkenazic line to 350 common ancestors, all living in a particular region of the world. In, in a town which is, there's three towns in, at the south of the Black Sea called Iskenaz, Eskenaz, and Askenaz. <laughs> uh, so it shouldn't be surprising that the Ashkenazic Jews actually come from a place that, come, that has that name. Uh, and they, part of the uh, success of understanding Jewish DNA is because we separated off from the Sephardic Jewish community at, and the Eastern Jewish communities at um, measured places in time. They're able to say, okay, so if you guys and you guys both share this gene or this chromosome, then, and you've been separated for, for the last four thousand years, we can tell that this is one of the genes that comes from, from an earlier period. So then it inspired them to spend more time studying us because they can get that out of that. That's how they did the Cohen gene, is they took people who were self-identified as Cohen's, assuming, assuming that they would not find a common ancestor in the Sephardic lines and the Ashkenazic lines. And they found people who identify themselves as Kohanim matched about 40% on this one particular chromosome. And the most interesting thing for me is the Lemba, who are a group who separated out from Jews, from the rest of the Jewish community, before the destruction of the second temple, probably shortly after the destruction of the first temple, that there was a loose in Africa, uh, and has always claimed that they're related to us. They tested their uh, DNA for this Cohen gene, and they have a higher correlation to that gene among their Cohen than does any Ashkenazic or Sephardic group. So they are, and that's how they figure out what we are, is if this group that has been separated from us doesn't have that same gene as all of the other Africans, right? but shares it with both Ashkenazic and Sephardic Jews, even at a higher level of correlation, that's a good sign that they are biologically related to us, even though they are Africans and are black. Yes. Can I ask you a question? With the Ashkenazic Jews, you said they came from towns near the Black Sea. But I'm curious, as did they, where did they come from before? Right. I mean, did they go back? Can you can it has anybody been able to trace it back to the Middle East? Well, the, that area was ruled by the Assyrians. Uh -huh. So the Assyrians captured the nine northern tribes. We call them the ten lost tribes for some reason. But they relocated them somewhere. So 
the academic research is trying to show, and, and Jeremiah, when he talks about where the lost tribes have gone, he lists the names of cities, and one of the cities he lists is Astanaz. So one of the theories, and it's really the main theory, is that uh, when the Assyrians relocated the northern tribes just before the destruction of the first temple, that the Ashkenazic Jews are in fact Israelites rather than Judeans. But uh, that's an example of something that I read that I was, oh yeah, that's fun, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. If you go in this like this academia that you'll find somebody who has the exact opposite opinion in another paper. Everybody has to use four stars to represent life, right? And, and so that, I mean, I, you see all of this stuff, and some of it is pure nonsense. Um, where, where you go, it, um, the, the stuff about Jews in Japan, for example, is just bizarre. Um, so, so it's really a baby type field, and the more more uh, crazy you can come up with a solution, the more they're likely to do it. <laughs> surname Harris. 
And so I think in reality, somehow before they were Kuplers, they, they were they were Harris's. And actually, I looked closer at it, and the Harris's they seem to end up here in Colonial Albany, and there's actually actually end up in Colonial Virginia. And I actually find a family tree where his Kugler side buried his mother's minor side in the same tree down in, in Colonial Virginia. And I'm like, okay, that's that's just how life is, and you know, we're all one big family. Um, and then actually his grandfather definitely came from Sicily. And no matter what I do, I always say, you don't want to be found. Um, but his DNA clearly says it's Sicily. And actually, um, DNA has put me in touch with a, a bunch of people, including people from around the Albany area whose name was developed, that um, are giving me more clues to where they came from. So, you know, the DNA is not giving me quick answers, but it's, you know, it's a long process, but I'm enjoying it. So the mtDNA, I did my father's mtDNA, I did my sister's. Um, so that's mitochondrial DNA is a genetic material found in mitochondria. It's passed down from mothers to sons and daughters, but a son can't pass it along to their children because it's part of the egg. So you inherited your mtDNA exclusively from your mother. So I did this test. And I would say, you know, I, I don't love the results, but there is one thing that came out of my doing this is that I did my father's Y-DNA, I did his MT-DNA, and there's one guy that matches him on both. And his name is Zachary Abbott Shapin. And I know from another person who really leads our research that Zachary Abbott Shapin is a white country. So, so even though you don't get a lot of specific things you get from the MT-DNA and the Y-DNA, you get a lot of like trends and historical insights to what's going on. My father's MTA also shows that the women in his family had to have come from Finland and Norway. And that kind of makes sense to me because my father is a very fair-skinned redhead. So I'm like, well, that kind of makes sense. But it's when it, with this test, it's as plain as the nose on your face that that's what his ancestry shows. So those are the those are the three tests. Um, once you do them, a lot of people I'll talk to and say, "Oh, well, I did this. Well, now what do I do?" Um, amongst other things, you know, besides contacting people and asking questions, is, is I really strongly um, suggest using social media. If you go out on Facebook, any nationality that you are, you can put in, you know. Tasmanian DNA group. You can find anything out there. Same thing. Some of them are specifically targeted to DNA. Some of them are, um, you know, general genealogy. I almost feel like people on Facebook they keep the two separate. That some are just pure genealogy, and some some focus on uh, on DNA. So I actually, I just took a snapshot of some of the things, some of the Facebook groups that are out there. There's some popular ones, DNA detectives. Like I said, there's a lot of uh, things that are just genealogy, but these are specific to DNA. Irish DNA registry. Um, a lot of things like that. Go to the next one. So I, th I thought this was funny when I put in the, the search. I got ancient aliens. Uh, you know, because, and that is apparently DNA because, you know, there's many people who believe we came from aliens. Um, and this one on the bottom just came up um, this morning with somebody who was, I was emailing. This one is DNA for the donor conceived. Um, so there's, there's something for everybody out there and, and there's a lot of people to help you. So, so overall, my recommendation is that if you're interested in doing DNA, to test your older relatives now. For me, it, it's just, I'm probably one of the few people of my generation who was able to 
get both of their parents. My mother is born uh, three years this week, and I did her in 2015. Um, so what it does for me is I'm at some point able to split my DNA matches into maternal side. and paternal side, it takes a guess at it. But being from the family that I am from, um, I'll say it's, it's like if you took my DNA matches and FTDNA, it would probably be, I'll say, I can't do my math. Like 20% like of my matches are on both sides. I have both sides matched with my family be it's so interconnected. And then probably even, even, even split between maternal and paternal. I have a lot more success on my mother's side maternal, and my father's side has been a lot more difficult, especially his father's father's side. Test as many people as you can because people come out very differently. I, my sister in particular, even though I know she's my sister, um, but I always knew she was different than me, as I roll my eyes now. <laughs> um, she, she's a lot different. She matches people that the rest of us don't match. So do as many people as you can. You know, if you, if you don't find spending money. Um, and the big thing is you're helping other people in their research and by testing. You know, you're not just helping yourself. You're helping other people. Um, for example... Good example, but Dave's DNA might might give me a might be a clue to somebody else who's looking for a, a biological family. So by testing your DNA and knowing what you know, you may be a big help to somebody else. And I always say that if you test DNA, be a good citizen. Um, people write to you, respond to them, try to help. Be patient. Your answer may not be there today. But every day more people test. Going back to my, my buddy Kevin, he even wondered were his parents' his parents. But probably about three years into the process, he had a 98-year-old aunt test. Uh, he didn't even know that this woman existed, test in California. So he finally was able to say, all right, I know for sure that my mother was my mother. Um, so your DNA can help other people. And I always say, look for someone who's already done the work for you. Look for somebody who's smarter than you. So, so I mean, like, for example, this is the path that may have connected me with Rima, is that, is that I have my father's family married into Ehrlichs and Borax. So um, I'm doing finding people that match, that match me. I look at them all. They have all the same Ehrlichs and Borax. They married into the Goldsteins, and then if I keep following this around, I think I come, you know, you go up the tree a, a while and come back, I think I finally did, did connect to you. In theory. That's my husband's name. Which? I'm not a, I'm not a right, Goldstein. Right, but the Goldsteins is that you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I said, always look for somebody smarter than you, and work in a group where you can pull ideas and information, uh, and then you'll get somewhere. Next slide is questions. Oh, there's something that you haven't asked yet that you want to ask. Yes. I have something more personal. Um, are you aware, like we heard Chagall's granddaughter speak of the Chatham's today? Yes. So you know that yes. she lives. Okay, so that's personal. Now, what about the people that happened to you who discovered that their parents intermarried or were concerned, you know, are concerned about intermarriage and the issues? Children. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. My, you know, my husband not being Jewish, I have a lot of, I have much healthier kids than my sister. My sister married her husband. So, so here's the thing. There's measure once you start doing the autosomal DNA. My father's match to my mother is 54 centimorgans. It's, it's, it's not huge. But it's not insignificant. My sister matched her husband, 69 centimorgans, higher than my parents matched each other. And I, I work on the trees of people that are by, by marriage. And I'm going in his tree, and 
after I, I were cousins. And I'm like, oh, what kind of cousins were they? And I go through it. And I kind of see from all the records that they, they were first cousins. And I'm like, oh, I got that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of illness, you know, the combining of the recessive genes that we really see in the, the intramarriage state. So that's why when I said, you know, amongst our we joke about, I had the people over to my house this summer, I said, we shouldn't put up a list of what are the names we have, we should put a list of what are the diseases we have, you know? So, I don't know if that's your question, but I mean, I think it's, it's a real deal, but you know, coincidentally, my husband being colonial American, the colonial Americans are as intermarried as, as the Jewish people were, which is interesting. Yeah. And I, and I think even to some extent the Sicilian side is the same way. And you know, so the, in, in Jewish DNA there's this worry about it's called endogamy or endogamy from, you know, oh, well, don't pay attention to that. It's just noise, it's endogamy, but but that's that's who your your uh, ancestors were. They intermarried just because you know they they um, the results are funny. You'll find that your ancestors married each other, cousins and and all that. It doesn't mean you should stop looking for them. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Um, at the beginning, she said something about Chagall, but we know that. Yeah. What about this stuff that we know that maybe not all of us know? So what it is, is actually I've written to her and I've got to write to her again. Um, so she, her name is Bella something or other, and I know that she, like I said, if I had, so the guy who does all of our genealogy, his name is Dora Waihansi and he lives in Israel. Um, he has it on the street where Chagall's family comes in. Um, but she runs like a flower shop in New York City, very artistic flower shop, and she comes up to Chatham and uh, is a member of the synagogue over there. And another one of our members from the gene genealogy group, Mark, Mark Fader, knows her. Um, so someday I'm going to snag her and, and write to her. Um, and then there's another family in our extended group that is definitely uh, descended from him. I don't understand how two, you said you said your sister's DNA is different from yours. Yeah. I don't understand how, you know, both siblings and companies are different. So, different. I said that the, there's, you get, there's, I get, a, I get half, half of the 22 chromosomes from my father, half of the 22 chromosomes from my mother. And how they come down to give you a single you know, profile. It's like different, it's like the DNA is like, you know, DNA falling through a sieve and, you know, the pieces that fall through are not the entire chromosome, but pieces. Um, one of the interesting things that will happen, especially in people like me, is that, you know, so my mother and father start, their, their DNA starts out together you know, my mother comes down one line, he comes down another line, and then they have me. So some of the gaps in the chromosomes that existed on the way back down come back together and merge with me. And, and I, so I look more like the people at the top of the tree than they do. Because it comes down like this and comes back together at me and comes back together. So some people like me, one of the clues to you know, the fact that my parents are um, related is they'll match the same person, but that person I match to a de greater degree for that reason. It's just because, you know, everybody's, what they get from their mother and father is kind of random. And my sister, like I said, my sister definitely matches people that I don't match. My husband and I met a couple that were about a little older than we were. In the course of conversation, they were Sephardic. They told us they had been first cousins. And then they compounded that by telling us that their parents, I believe, had been first cousins. And um, their 
just a lot, a lot of people that had married first cousins in their family. Well, we walked away with our rolling our eyes. <laughs> but you know, didn't didn't um, people have any kind of clue that it wasn't a good idea for? such close relatives to I mean, it's, it's not always a bad idea. If you have good things, it's, if you have bad recessive things that can come together, then it's bad. But if you have mostly good things, you're just accentuating the good things. You don't always end up with things that are negative. And, and, and the obvious answer to your question is, they've been breeding animals for thousands of years before they invented writing. They were able to crossbreed grains and animals. So we've known all along about re reinforcing good genes, and we can have that with natural reinforcing good traits and not reinforcing bad traits. And to some extent, they were much more knowledgeable about the idea that sometimes you took two cows that were cousins and you bred them together because that one was a good, good milker and that one's mother was a good milker, and you were trying to get to that better trait. So, but they were very aware. Uh, that's why they also had the, the matchmakers busy trying to not reinforce bad traits. They did not. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting thing, because my great-grandfather came to this country on my mother's other side um, and with a daughter that was from her first wife. And I think that the first wife was left behind for some reason, like mental illness or something, and he married somebody else, and uh, you know, and, and like I said, it's almost like that article I read about why did people, you know, divorce. I asked my father. My father sometimes remembers things, and sometimes he doesn't remember things. I'm just about you know, why do people marry the same families? He said, well, you knew the family, and you knew that they were good people, and. And then if you married somebody else, you didn't, you didn't know what you were getting. So that's why sure. we married each other. <coughs> so we're here in pink. We're here in pink today because it's Shusherit, if I'm doing this correctly, Bonnie. It's Shusherit, so look that up when you get home. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Day. We didn't set this meeting date knowing that. It's Jewish. Jewish Breast Cancer Awareness Day because the BRCA1 gene, correct, was discovered because of a group of Ashkenazi Jewish women in Long Island, and the testing discovered that because, of course, the families had intermarried, like we just said. And um, so we're very pleased that you were in there. So I wanted to mention that, that you, there's a couple things that I did mention. One is 23andMe. 23andMe yeah. is the company that does the Genetic profile. Um, so if you do 23andMe, you can sign up to have the health testing, and it doesn't ever tell you, you know, that exactly you, you may have this or that. So you sign up, and, and it says, "Do you want to know the health results?" And then, okay. So then they do that testing, and it's pretty fascinating because you get a lot of really fun um, surveys to to fill out, which helps them is like, do you like chocolate? Does broccoli taste okay to you? You know, does this smell offend you? Um, so then you get your results, and before you open them, it says, I'm asking you again, do you really want to see this? Um, so then you look, and, you know, it won't say, yes, you definitely have this. It will say, you have a higher chance of whatever. But um, I see uh, alternative uh, health guy, and I had a question once, and he said, well, well, do, do 23andMe, because that's the cheapest way to find out some of this stuff. So, that's just, and then they, they also do matching. They are definitely a much weirder take on DNA, um, but a lot of people sign up for it because, um, you know, because of the health thing. So I wanted to just kind of tell you the hierarchy of which companies I like is that if you're really interested in doing a family tree, I would start with Ancestry, because that gives you the most access to people, like I said, the people who are smarter than you, people who have already built a lot of trees. 
codes transfer your DNA from Ancestry to the other companies. If you're not interested in trees, well, plus Ancestry, if you want to keep going, you have to subscribe. If you're just interested in DNA and finding matches, do the family tree DNA and DNA. Other people are now doing MyHeritage, which I'm not so sure about that company because I never did it myself. But then the bottom line on everything pretty much is you can take your DNA, download the raw data, and upload it to a webpage called GenMatch.com. So that's where people start to come together as a whole common denominator to be able to compare your DNA regardless of where you got tested. What was that last company? It's GenMatch, G-E-D-M-A-T-C-H.com, but now it's actually Genesis. G-E-D-M-A-T-C-H. M-A-T-C-H. Yeah, G-E-D-M-A-T-C-H. M-A-T-C-H. Okay. 